0: The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Seeds of Hidalgo. This is the new book. It's in stores right now, written by Diane Barrera-Turner. And I'm really thrilled that Diane is right here with me now to tell me all about it. Diane, thank you for joining me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Oh, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Can you tell me what readers can expect in Seeds of Hidalgo?
1: Well, it's about a family that owned a rancho in California during the 1800s. The story begins in 1848 when the American ships arrived in Monterey, California, and when the American flag was raised at that point, and the whole community was kind of frightened. What's going to happen to their land? What's going to happen to them? What does their future look like? And the Peña family is the one that is the focus of my story. And it follows the family history through the expansion of California and its diverse history.
0: Hmm. What kinds of readers do you think would really be into Seeds of Hidalgo, Diane?
1: I think anybody who likes adventure. There's a love story. There's adventure in it. There is a lot of history of California and what happened. It was a very volatile time for California, right after the Americans took over California. And as you know, the United States was embroiled in a Mexican-American war that ended just at that time that my novel starts.
0: Mm. Yeah, I understand that California and its rich, rich history is something that's near and dear to your heart. What do you find so attractive about it?
1: Well, I was born and raised there. I was educated there. My grandmother was an immigrant in the 1930s from Mexico,
0: Mm.
1: but my mother and father were there, and my grandmother used to take me to missions in California and tell me a little bit about the history, and I became enthralled with it. My husband and I lived on our sailboat in Monterey for a year, Mm. and we then got into the history. It's very interesting what happened to California you know, then the Wild West, actually, you know. but then it, you know, it evolved quickly and, and very diverse cultures clashed, you know, it was characters faced a lot of volatile circumstances, love triangles, physical violence, greed, culture classes, race diversity, and the many technical advances that grew California into what you see today.
0: Diane, can you go back and tell me about when you got the spark for this plot and how things develop?
1: Well, the way it developed was, I think, because of our year in Monterey, California, and that's where it takes place. My husband and I did a lot of research and things on history, you know, and when I saw what actually happened, some of the things I think people don't even realize, you know, this takes the family through the Civil War, through the gold rush, through a lot of things that were happening. And I think that gave me the idea, wow, this is something I really want to do more research on, and I think I want to write a novel about it.
0: I would think that something like that would take you forever to do, Diane. Was this a long process? Two years. What was the most challenging part about the whole thing for you?
1: I think it was the research, because when you write a historical novel, obviously you have to do a lot of research. So when you think of, okay, how did they dress then? What was the means of communication? You know, what was going on at the time? You know, how would they speak? You know, those things, you have to be careful of those things and you have to, it is harder to write a historical novel because of that.
0: I would imagine, in particular, the dialogue would be challenging because they spoke so differently so long ago.
1: They did, and you have to be careful that you don't use, you know, contemporary terms because Mm. it doesn't go. When you're writing, it is harder, but it's a challenge, but it's a lot of fun, too. I enjoyed it.
0: What was that moment like for you, Diane, after all that time you'd been working on it and pretty much seeing the whole thing just on computer screens? When you got that first physical copy in and got to hold it in your hands, what was that moment like? It was like, wow, I did it. <laughs> <You know?
1: laughs> I did it, and, and it was good. I mean, I, holding the book in my hands and looking at it again, I, you know, I'm constantly second-guessing myself. Could I have done this? Could I have done that? Mm. But ultimately, I'm proud of it. I really am.
0: What are the chances that there'll be another after this?
1: There is one. I already finished the second. It's going to be a trilogy, actually, of the family. My second novel now is finished. It's called The Roots of Hope, and it will be out soon. In fact, the last chapter of my book is a teaser. It's the first chapter of the next book, actually.
0: Hmm. Diane, so many people listening to us right now are aspiring authors. They want to write but maybe aren't published yet. They haven't gone that far in the process. What advice do you have for people who are just starting out in this writing thing?
1: Write every day, write every single day, write something every day. And look around, you know, look at history, look at what's happening presently in the news, you know, get ideas from what you see happening. And then get challenged by something, and you have to really have your heart in it. But, yeah, definitely write every day.
0: I think a lot of people are really going to be into this book. I really encourage everybody listening right now to check this out. It's titled Seeds of Hidalgo. It's written by Diane Barrera-Turner, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing. Of course, this is available everywhere, such as Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Diane, it's been absolutely wonderful speaking with you here today and learning about your work. And I certainly hope that we get to talk again soon. Thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Life is about change. And that's the focus of the new book in stores now written by Jan Bannerman. The title is Francine and the Muscle Fairy. And Jan is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable to talk all about it jan thank you for joining me tonight
2: yeah thank you i appreciate this
0: well it's my pleasure can you tell me what readers are in store for with francine and the muscle fairy
2: yeah it's a children's book it's probably geared for you know ages eight plus to 99 like legos (laughs) but it's an adventure it's fantasy it's a mystery it's basically about a couple of children that have some commonality They both suffered a loss, and Francine meets Willie in chapter three, but the book opens when she's on the beach and discovers a muscle in the sand, and she picks it up, and uh, from there, everything ensues. and it describes a little bit about her life. Uh, Francine is different in that she's got personal hardship. She's got a, a disability that she has to contend with, but then everybody's got those, but this book, Kind of takes you to a little bit of that journey and her mother, and then we talked about the loss, but her mother had just passed away. So she's dealing with that and she's not really uncertain about her future. And so we go on from there. It's a fun book and it's kind of fast paced and I think that kids will like it because it is a bit fast. In the book, it opens up a dialogue and it's about camaraderie and it's about communication. It's about hardship and difficulties that they overcome. But it takes them on an adventure and it allows them to get to know one another. And it's got history in there, which is a lot of fun for kids that are not interested. It's got a very interesting slant on history that draws them into there, So kids are able to experience some of the things in, in Texas history in the past and it makes it enjoyable which I always found it interesting. I had a, a very good history teacher, so I learned something there, and I appreciated it. And I thought one, one thing I could do is write something that would maybe generate an interest to help them pursue history a little bit better. It was kind of one of my goals in the book anyway.
0: That's great. I can't say that I've seen a lot of books where a muscle is one of the points of focus, Jan. How did the idea for this come about?
2: Was a lot of fun. See, when I was a kid, and, and you kind of put your own into to your book, but when I was a child, I spent a lot of time outdoors. And the one thing that fascinated me the most were you got on a beach, not the ocean, but on the lake, and you would find these mussels. And sometimes you couldn't break them open, sometimes you could. Sometimes you would find small pearls inside, but they always had an iridescent glow inside. It was like magic and it all colors of the rainbow. And I did a little research into that there's freshwater pearl mussels and I, I just always found them fascinating and I, I wanted to put that in my book and that was the source of the mussel fairy. She's enclosed in that freshwater pearl. So when you look at those you're in the be- on the beach and you're a small child and you just wonder what is in that thing. So that's a Texas fairy tale I made. In the mussel.
0: <laughs> that's wonderful. Do you think you'll have more books coming out or are you planning on writing and publishing more?
2: Yeah, I'd like Now that you mention it, I'll tell you that there was another book book after that, but it was a fun book. For me to write, I've got to have a bee in my bonnet. There's got to be something that probes me or makes me want to do something. And usually it's if someone asks me to do something for them or if I want something done. And it's a good cause. It's got to be a good cause. I have a lot of integrity. And so that's what prompts me to write. So, well, back then there is a second book. It's, I'm going to say, half-finished. Everything, the sketchings are done, the writing's done, the title, everything. I haven't shown it to anybody, but I want to illustrate it. So that's going to take some time because I'm not the most fabulous artist. I just try hard. (laughs) But I do have another book, and I'd like to get that one done. And then, you know, I really like comic books. The visual is what excites me. I like to be able to draw, so I'm hoping that I'll become better and be able to do more in that direction.
0: Well, I really think that children and adults alike or really get a lot out of this book and really enjoy it. The title is Francine and the Muscle Fairy. This is written by Jan Bannerman, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Jan, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me all about Francine and the Muscle Fairy, and I really hope we get to talk again.
2: Thanks, Corey. I appreciate you.
0: If I Live. This is the new book. It's out in stores right now. It's written by Alan Franklin, and I'm really happy to be talking with Alan right now all about it. Alan, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Can you tell me all about your new book, If I Live? Well, this book is mostly about a main character's
3: journey through the afterlife. The book is split up into two halves, with the first half dealing with his last week of life in the world, and the second half being the physical aspect of the journey, seeing how his life could have played out if he did stuff differently.
0: Hmm. Alan, what sorts of readers do you think would really be into If I Live?
3: I feel like everyone would be interested in a book like this.
0: I don't specifically target one aspect of a generation or age group or anything. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing or being published? Yes, this is actually my second book. My first Mm -hmm. book is called Secrets. I won't get
3: into that a lot, but I've been an unknown writer for a long time, for almost 10 years, doing this
0: unprofessionally. Mm. So, Alan, where did you get the idea for If I Live?
3: Well, this has kind of been kicking in my head for a while, for like the last five years or so. Nothing in particular like sparked the idea. I was just, you know, one day going through doing some chores around my house, and it popped in my head. You know, maybe let's do a book about
0: somebody's journey through the afterlife. Did it take you a long time to write and then get published? The publishing of it took about a year, but the creating of it took just about six months or so. Mm. Alan, when it comes to writing a book like If I Live, what did you find the most challenging part about things? I think the most challenging part of things is to be able to make a book that tries to make
3: everyone happy, even though you can never make everybody happy in this world nowadays. But you just try to do your best to make it so everybody can enjoy it.
0: What's it like to get that first hard copy in and uh, hold it in your hands and look at it for the first time, Alan? What's that moment like?
3: I tell you what, I, I cried. You know, being able to hold something that you spent years trying to think of and create just to see your dream come into reality is something amazing.
0: Mm. Like you said, If I Live is your second book. Do you have plans for maybe a third and a fourth and a fifth, maybe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually have a contract out right now with my go-to publisher, Newman
3: Springs, mm. for my third book called Please See Me, potentially coming out in 2023. Uh, I also have characters, plots, titles, details for about 34 books, including a four-book series I'm working on right
0: now. Wow. What advice do you have for people who are just starting out? They haven't published yet, but they have a story to tell. They want to get it written. They want to get it published. Alan, how do they go get started?
3: You know, it's something that I'm sure everyone has heard before, but don't give up. It doesn't matter if the people around you don't like your book as long as you like your book. Because if you like your book enough, there will be that somebody who will like your book
0: as much as you do. And that's all it takes. Alan, people write for a lot of different reasons. Why do you write? What's the most rewarding thing for you? To be able to
3: get the thoughts that I have down on paper and be able to describe things I normally can not describe in my everyday life through my storytelling, mm-hmm. through my character development and ultimately through the end of the book.
0: Alan, when you sit down to get started writing one of your books, do you start with an idea and then go from there and see where things go? Or are you more of an outliner, where you pretty much know how things are gonna go throughout the book?
3: I would say I'm about 50-50. In my head, I have you know the beginning, the climax, and the end, mostly figured out. But then it's just those in-between parts where you wanna
0: be like, okay, how does A lead to B, the lead to C? Alan, the first thing that struck me about your book was the cover. It's absolutely beautiful. Can you tell me about it? You know,
3: it's. I wish I could design this cover, but <laughs> I tend to reach out to colleges around me for graphic designers, for people who are taking art classes, to be able to get their names into these books. Potentially, you know, if one of these books were to happen to make it big, to get their name out there too. I encourage other authors to do that because we all have something that we can help out with each other.
0: Absolutely. Well, kudos to you for searching out new talent. I think a lot of people are really going to be into this book. It's titled If I Live. It's written by Alan Franklin, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing. Of course, you can pick this one up everywhere, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Alan, thank you again for coming on the show here and telling me all about your work. It's really exciting. I hope you come on here and tell me about the next one, too. I would absolutely love to. Thank you for having me. This has been a pleasure. The Lunar Codex, book one of the Codex Chronicles. It's out in stores right now, and it's written by Annie O'Connell. I'm really happy to be talking all about it right now with Annie here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Annie, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me.
4: Thank you, Corey, for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. Can you tell me all about the Lunar Codex? What can readers expect here?
4: So the book it's truly it's, really, it's a coming of age fantasy a coming of age story with a fantasy twist about a 14 year old boy named Jace. He's orphaned at 3 years old and was adopted by his aunt and uncle. Over the course of his life, he's required to move quite a bit because of his uncle's job. They're now in a new location, and he's really hopeful that this is going to be their permanent home. He quickly makes friends, and he seems to be getting everything that he's always wanted. When a supernatural turn of events completely flips his life upside down, then he's thrust down a new path of discovery where he needs to abandon everything that he's ever known while avoiding a danger that had been lurking in the shadows this whole time.
0: Wow, this sounds like a great story. Annie, how did you get the idea for this?
4: So I have four boys and I'm actually, I'm a doctor in New York City and during COVID, I was sitting on the back deck with my husband and my kids and my two younger ones were out in the pool and they were playing and being boys, typical boys and I <laughs> with my husband that if it's a full moon, I swear one of them is going to turn. <laughs> and as I sat there, the thought just kept kind of mulling in my head and mulling in my head. And I said, give me a second. And I ran up and I grabbed my computer and I came back out and started plotting away a chunk of the outline at that point. And then through COVID, it kind of, it was my little cathartic break from reality. And they've become kind of like my go-to friends when I need a little bit of change in the scenery.
0: You mentioned outlining the book. Is that pretty much how the whole thing went? Did you outline it from beginning to end? Or did you just sort of outline to a point and then take it from there and explore and see how it ends?
4: It was very, very rough outline. Mm. Like I say, it was more or less like a skeleton of what was happening with it. And then uh, within the next couple of days, I actually I just, I started writing. The prologue was the first thing that came out and it kind of took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting the twist that I was going to put in there and I really liked the way that the twist happened. And it just started taking shape from there. So even with the next book, I start off with a, a rough draft of what I'm trying to accomplish, but I usually end up writing and changing every thing that I was thinking of doing as I'm writing.
0: Now, of course, fantasy readers are going to want to pick this up. Do you think this is good for teens and adults?
4: Absolutely. Yes, it's it's very much geared towards, like I said, because I have four boys. My five-year-old, it's a little over his head, but I have a 16, a 20, and a 26-year-old. It was definitely geared where I would feel comfortable with them picking the book up and reading it. So yes, you definitely, even probably as young as 10 or 11 years old could pick it up, and it would be just as good for them.
0: Fantastic. Have you ever done anything like this before? Writing a book and publishing a book is a huge, huge deal. Is this your first time doing it?
4: Yes. (laughs) You know, when you start, you don't know if you're going to actually be able to get to that point. But I had a a very strong support system with my husband, and we were able to accomplish it.
0: Oh, Annie, now being your first book, I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way. So what advice would you have for people out there who are just about to embark on that same journey?
4: I mean, definitely don't give up on it. There is many times that I would sit there and I'd look and I'd go, oh, there's no way that this is going to do anything. This isn't good. And my husband would read it and he's like, no, it is good. It's, he's like, did you really think that any book that you see on the shelf started out as this great reading? He was like, You're, you have to go through the process. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's not going to come out great the first time. So definitely just keep going. And before you know it, you'll have it written. And I mean, it's, it's such an amazing feeling once you've actually completed something like that to then go through the process and be able to hold something that you put so much time and effort into. It's definitely the process is well worth it. It's not an easy process, but it's definitely worth it. Just keep going.
0: I know a lot of readers are going to love this book and ought to check it out. The title is The Lunar Codex, Book One of the Codex Chronicles. This is written by Annie O'Connell, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can grab it up everywhere, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Annie, it's been really nice talking with you here today. Thank you so much for telling me all about the Lunar Codex, and the Codex Chronicles, where you're going next with it, and can't wait to talk with you again.
4: Oh, I'm looking forward to it as well. Thank you so much, Corey.
0: I Choose Joy. This is a new book of poetry. It's written by Darlis Jacobson, and she's right here with me now to talk all about it. Darlis, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. It's great your poetry just hits stores now. Can you tell me about this book, I Choose Joy? It's a
5: poetry book, and it's a close up observation into the depths of all things, like watching the birds in the morning as they walk through long grasses. You know how they stop and they listen and they cock their head and all of a sudden press their beak down into the earth and pull out a big worm for their breakfast. <laughs> it's about hanging clothes on the clothesline and listening to them slap in the wind. It's about getting older, the good and the bad. It's about all the seasons. And here in Minnesota, we have severe seasons. So it's a lot to write about. There's a lot about family. And it's about finding the beauty and the holiness in everyday life.
0: It seems like you're celebrating the simpler things in life. There's so much complexity going on around us, but it seems like you're just stopping, taking a breath, looking around you and just enjoying what's there.
5: Yes, I I 100% agree. I think that's what poetry is. Mm -hmm. And I hate when I'm in a hurry because I don't get to take that moment to watch and to listen. Poetry is
0: observation. Mm. Darla's, where'd you get the idea to collect your poetry and put it in book format and then publish it?
5: I've been writing poetry most of my life, and it's happened during the COVID, actually. Mm. I was kind of lost for a while, and my daughters were continually getting job promotions and new jobs during that time. And I finally thought to myself, what could I do? Well, then I, I took this collection of poems that I'd written, which was a dresser full, probably 50 notebooks filled with poems, Wow. And I finally sat down, and I finally smoothed them out and got going on my book.
0: Mm. Is this the first time you ventured into the world of publishing?
5: It is, and it's been a very, just a wonderful, wonderful
0: experience, yes. Was it a long road for you?
5: No, it was not. It was pretty much a two-year journey. I did work four hours most days once I decided that this was going to be booked.
0: Then when you finally got that physical copy in and you got to hold it in your hands for the first time, Darlis, what was that moment like?
5: (laughs) That's a really good question. And I want to say it was just a great, great, great feeling. But I was also afraid. Hmm. Afraid because now I'm out of my comfort zone, for one thing, and my heart is exposed.
0: Do you think you'll be doing more publishing in the future?
5: I am halfway through my second book of poetry should be out by the end of next year, but I'm all of a sudden getting more excited about it and I think it might may be out even before that.
0: Fantastic. Your poetry is out there for a much wider audience now, Darlis. What's the most rewarding thing for you of knowing that your work is out there for the world?
5: I cannot tell you the response I have gotten from readers. And of all ages, that's the best part. They've used words like entertaining, funny, thought provoking, heartfelt I'm just over the moon about all of their reactions.
0: So this is poetry that readers of all ages and all walks of life could enjoy?
5: Yes, it is. I thought at first maybe it would be just for women my age, you know, poetry book by a woman for women. But I'm happily surprised that men are texting me saying how much they appreciated, how much they laughed, how much they cried. Yeah, it's been wonderful.
0: Darles, a lot of people listening right now are authors who want to publish for the first time as well. Do you have any words of wisdom that you could offer them?
5: My words of wisdom are for them to just constantly, constantly keep writing, Mm. keep a pen with you, keep a notebook with you. Even if it's one word, even if you're just looking at the morning dew, write that word down. Because later on in the day, you may be thinking about that, and a whole poem or a whole story will come out of that. So yes, just Always carry a pen and a notebook, and I know the new style—you know, iPad, iPhone—I still carry the pen and the notebook with me.
0: I know a lot of people are going to be blessed by your poetry, Darlis, and I think a lot of my listeners should check it out. It's titled "I Choose Joy," poetry by Darlis Jacobson. It's written, of course, by Darlis Jacobson, and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. It's available everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Darlis, it was wonderful speaking with you today. Thank you again for joining me here on the show.
5: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
0: Spoken word poet Darren O. writes about his Christian walk in his new book, God Breathed, The Journey. Darren is right here with me now to tell me all about it. Darren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Corey. Uh, It's really a pleasure to be here with you today. I'm excited. It's a pleasure to have you here today, Darren. Can you tell me all about God Breathed, the journey? What can readers expect to find?
6: Well, you know, God Breathed, The Journey is a poetry book that is 10 years in the making. I first was inspired to put this book together all the way back in about 2012. And it is a conglomeration of work that I have been doing over the past 10 years. It gives the readers an idea of just my journey as a Christian poet, where, where it all began in terms of that prayer that I prayed at two o'clock in the morning, asking God for my purpose and asking God to give me direction, and all the way through to a poem alone, which is the last poem in the book, um, just speaking about this Christian journey and how it feels sometimes. And so the book is one that is very relatable. Any and everybody who picks it up will find a poem in there that they can relate to, that they can resonate with, because it goes through the highs and the lows of the Christian walk.
0: Yeah, I love this unique idea, a poetry book about your Christian walk. Darren, what kinds of readers do you think would be really into this?
6: Well, really, people who are deep thinkers, people who are reflective in their nature, and of course, people who are Christian and are maybe having a hard time understanding certain aspects of their faith and who are seeking to get more insight or seeking to get a fresh new perspective. The thing about poetry is that you have a thing called the poetic license Mm. that allows you to say and write things that you wouldn't normally hear on a pulpit or on a TV program. And so the poetry in this book will allow some people to really get a good understanding of what the Bible has to say about certain aspects of the Christian faith. Mm.
0: Darren, is this your first time publishing, or have you done this kind of thing before? This is my very first publication. Congratulations. That's really exciting. What was it like for you whenever you got the first physical copy and you got to hold it and look at it for the first time?
6: Yeah, it was very surreal, you know, especially since it's been a so long time, it's been such a long time, you know, just to get to this point. There are many times I was like, boy, probably I shouldn't bother with it. and But I was like, no, you know, this is the purpose that God has put me on the earth for, you know, I am His mouthpiece in the earth, and I'm supposed to be His voice to the people of the earth. So I said, you know what, let me push my own inhibitions and fears aside and just do what the Lord has instructed me to do.
0: Mm. Darren, do you think we'll see more books from you in the future?
6: Most definitely. Um, this is actually intended to be a poetry book series. Mm. Even though right now I'm going through some stuff in life that has really caused the writing well to dry up somewhat, I don't think it's absolutely dead, and I will. I have other poems that I have not put into a book as yet that I intend to put out in the future. Actually, the second book is already like, put together. I just need some finishing touches to start the whole publication process. But yes, there will be more books to follow on the Godbreed heading. Hmm.
0: Darren, you touched on something that a lot of us authors go through a lot, and that's writer's block. You mentioned those tough times in writing, the dry spells that you go through. How do you get the words going again? Do you have a strategy for maybe getting those ideas and those words going again?
6: Well, I guess it would, for me, it would be just going back to the source, you know, just going back to how things were hmm. before the writing dried up. What I tend to find with myself is writing is a very emotional experience, and so if there's emotional turmoil within me, that will definitely affect how fluently and how creatively I can write. However, if I can get back to where I was before the emotional turmoil began, then that could possibly turn things around.
0: I know a lot of readers are going to find this book very inspirational. The title is God Breathed, The Journey. It's written by Darren O. Salman and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can buy this everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Darren, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about your work. I had a really nice time chatting with you.
6: Yeah, man, Corey, it was indeed a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate that.
0: It's a love of adventure and life. In the new book, it's written by Kimberly Hoffman, titled Grandpa Paul, the River Pirate. Kimberly is right here with me now. We're going to chat all about it. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. You bet. Can you tell me all about Grandpa Paul, the River Pirate?
7: I can. So the main character is my late husband. He passed away in 2020 from COVID. I'm sorry. And he's the inspiration behind the book. With the purpose of the book being a way to healing the heart of not only myself but my family,
0: mm. couldn't have been an easy book to write? I could imagine, Kim, what was the spark that inspired you to write this and publish it?
7: I've always been a writer by nature. I do much better writing words versus verbalizing words. Mm. so I took a thirty day writing class from Megan Divine. It allowed me the healing process that I needed mm. as a writer that's how it, that's how I do it. I put my feelings out on paper. I thought if I could write a story that would tell about his life, you know, some of the fun times of his life, that it would not only serve as a remembrance, but also allow the future generations of our family know who he was.
0: Kim, what kinds of readers do you think would really connect with Grandpa Paul the River Pirate?
7: I think it's a family story. It's a family book mm. that's behind what we're trying to do here. So the book is part of the Storytellers Foundation. We started the foundation that is supporting those that have lost loved ones through stories, because I believe stories keep the name of the individuals who have passed alive. Mm. I heard, I can't remember where I heard it, whether it was from Megan Devine or somebody else, but I heard once that a person dies twice. The first is a physical death. And the second time they die is the last time their name is spoken. So it's our intention to always have those that we serve. It's our intention to never have their name spoken the last time through these books.
0: Wow, what a wonderful cause. Have you ever done anything like this before, Kim? Have you ever written a book? Have you ever been published?
7: I've never been published. I've always been a writer. I write for work which is about groceries, (laughs) I've always been a writer and I've always put my feelings down on paper. It's just much easier for me to do that versus, like I said, verbalizing it.
0: Did Grandpa Paul take you a long time to write then put through the whole publishing thing?
7: I've been working on it about a year and a half. Writing the book actually took only about three to four months, so it didn't take all too long. I had to mull it over in my head for a while to figure out what direction I wanted to take it, obviously, which is kind of my process in writing. You know, I start with, here's what I want to write about, and then I just kind of ponder it for several days, and I try to find that first catchphrase of the book and then build from there. Mm.
0: Kim, I can only imagine the moment you finally got that first physical copy in of Grandpa Paul. You got to hold it and look at it for the first time. Can you tell me about that?
7: Very surreal. A very long year and a half, but I worked with some some great people. You know, as a first-time publisher, I really have or had no clue what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I worked with some great editors, and my illustrator, Suzanne Beeky, was a godsend. Mm. She collaborated with me as she was illustrating. She gave me a couple of additional ideas. And then my daughter, my youngest daughter, Alyssa, She was extremely supportive. She's a creative in her own right, has her own graphic design business that supports Mm -hmm. women. And, you know, I got stuck a couple of times trying to figure out what direction to take the book and I just reached out to her and said, here's what I need. And she zipped back in an email a couple of ideas for me and I just take those ideas and run with them.
0: Kim, now, do you have any advice, any words of wisdom for people listening right now who are authors just starting out? They wanna get that first book out too.
7: I have learned that to be a writer, you have to have experiences to support your writing. Mm. So while, you know, I'm turning 56 here in a couple of months, and I've considered myself always a writer, I've not really had the experience to be an author, a published author. So the more experience you have in life in general, I think the better writer you become.
0: Mm. I think a lot of readers, a lot of families are going to love this book, and it's a great cause. Thank you, Kim, for all your work that you're doing. The title of this is Grandpa Paul, the River Pirate. Of course, it's written by Kimberly Hoffman, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Kim, again, thank you for joining me here and telling me all about your work and the great cause that you have. I hope we get to talk again sometime.
7: Thanks so much, Corey. I appreciate
0: it. I'm really happy right now to be sitting down with author Pam Carson here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Pam, thank you for joining me tonight.
8: Oh, thank you for inviting
0: me. Well, it's my pleasure to be speaking with you. It's exciting you have a new book out right now. It's called Through a Child's Eyes, Christian Parenting from Infancy to Five Years. So, Pam, can you tell me all about the book?
8: Well, I've been a retired children's ministry director and I've just always had a real heart for parents and for children. What I found through the 40-something years I've worked with children is that most parents don't understand the world a small child lives in. So what I did was I tried to open up better communication, better understanding and a lot more grace for little children.
0: Pam, can you go back and think about that moment when you decided, hey, I have all this experience and knowledge that I've gathered over the years. I need to sit down and write this book and publish this book. How did that happen?
8: Well, it started off as a PowerPoint. And when I retired, I had like 30 boxes of just wonderful things that I had collected through the years. And God really just kept nudging me. And one day I sat down and I just sorted through everything and made a PowerPoint. And then I realized it would probably reach more people if it was in a book form.
0: When you were doing that, was that a long process to gather everything and then take it to PowerPoint, then PowerPoint to book, and then put it through the whole publishing process?
8: Don't laugh. It's been 30 years. Wow. It was something I really felt God nudging me to. One of my biggest disabilities is I have a learning disability and I can't spell. And so it was like he was asking me to do something that I really didn't have the skill set to do. But it really just fell out amazingly well into like about three or four parts. By the time I got through with it, it was, it was an incredible experience writing it, but it was also an incredible experience to see it in a book form.
0: Yeah, Pam, what was that moment like when you got that first physical copy and got to hold it in your hands for the first time?
8: Well, I I had gotten kind of discouraged because it just seemed like so long to write it. But when I held that book, it just made my heart soar and my, my prayer for that book is that it will help young parents understand their children live in a world where everything is so much bigger than they are. And they have a lot of fears, but they don't communicate like we do. They live in a fantasy world. So when I saw that book, I just felt like it was an opportunity to help grow relationships and grace and homes. Mm
0: -hmm. Pam, would you say that this is written primarily for a Christian audience or would non-Christians also benefit?
8: I think anybody can use it that wants to understand little children. It was Christian-based. But, you know, children are children when they're little and they don't understand things like we do. So, you know, growing a faith before they're five years old is very, very strong. That's a great thing. And on the other side, it can be a very scary thing because you really need to watch how you speak to small children.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Pam, were there people in your life who knew that you were taking a project like this on and they could be there to encourage you and motivate you and back you up along the way?
8: Yes, Uh, I had a really good friend, Judy, who had written some books, and she really helped me go through and organize it. And then my husband, he got a degree in English, so he was able to do the parts that I couldn't. And I didn't really write this book as much as I had the idea, and I just had a lot of incredible people to help encourage me and help change the things and put it in a form where it would be easy for others to read.
0: Pam, the cover of a book is so important. It's often the very first thing people will see when they're out there searching around. So what kind of thought went into your cover?
8: I wanted something that looked intriguing to parents, and so I chose a child holding a big bubble. It's because their world is such a world of wonder. Just from a creation of a bubble, you, you see amazing colors, and you, it just intrigues people. So when I did the cover, I was thinking of parents and children.
0: Well, I know a lot of parents and children are going to be blessed and helped out by this book. It's titled Through a Child's Eyes, Christian Parenting from Infancy to Five Years. It's written by Pam Carson, and it's published by Covenant Books. You can find it everywhere, of course, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble on iTunes and at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Pam, it's been a delight having you here on the show tonight. Thanks for chatting with me. Thank you
8: for inviting me. You have a wonderful day.
0: Right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'd like to welcome author Timothy L. Sims. Timothy, thank you for joining me tonight.
9: Thank you, Corey, for having me. It's an honor.
0: It's my pleasure. It's really exciting you have a new book out in stores. We're going to talk all about it. It's called A Revelation of Leadership, Pulling Back the Curtain on Leadership, An Exposition of Revelation Chapter 4. So, Timothy, can you tell me a little bit about this? Sure. It's, as you said, a in-depth study of the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation. In
9: that fourth chapter, god was about to give the apostle john a complete revelation or unveiling of the future of the earth and the first thing that he showed john was a throne a throne set in heaven a throne of course represents government headship rulership or leadership and when the holy spirit caused me to realize that he spoke to me and said show me your leader and I'll show you your future.
0: Mm.
9: And so that's really kind of the basics of the book, dealing with the future of the earth. Specifically, we talk about this in chapter 2 of my book, Understanding the Throne and the Importance of Leadership and the Future of the Earth as it relates to the leadership of
0: our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ sitting on the throne. Mm. Timothy, what kinds of readers were you writing to in A Revelation of Leadership? I was initially writing to Bible study group, a group of
9: pastors and their support leaders. There's always two types of leadership, senior leaders and support leaders. And so that was kind of the focus of my book.
0: And did this take you a long time to write, put together, and then get published?
9: Well, it's a funny story. God gave me the revelation of this book back in 2004 and in 2007. 6 I was visiting a church where Dr. Miles Monroe I don't I'm sure you've heard of him Absolutely The great leadership guru was speaking and afterward I shared the concept the idea of my book with him and he told me if I wrote it he would write the foreword for my book that was in wow. 06 in '09, I actually finished writing it, but I had it on those 4 by 4 floppy disks, and they got corrupted. I could not retrieve my data, and so oh, wow. I got discouraged and let the book die and lie dormant in me for many years. In 2014, Dr. Miles Monroe passed in a helicopter accident, and long story short, in 2021, the Lord spoke to me and emphasized that i need to finish the book i did so in march of 2021 it was published by december of
0: 2021 and the rest is history wow what was that like then when you got the first hard copy and got to look at it for the first time timothy oh it was it was
9: exciting it was a completion a dream come true Mm. an accomplishment a significant accomplishment in my life
0: Mm. was this your first published work then
9: Yes, my first published work.
0: Congratulations. That's such a huge accomplishment. Do you have any words of wisdom now? You know, a lot of people listening here, they want to write their first book as well. Anything you could offer them in the way of advice?
9: Well, certainly. As the Lord kind of spoke to me and said, let it be said I did instead of I should have done. Hmm. In other words, there are a lot of things that we procrastinate on and start, but never finish. And we don't want to come to the end of our life with all the regrets about how we did not finish. And so the Lord said, let it be said, I did instead of I should have done.
0: Mm. Timothy, I get a feeling you might have more books in you. Is that accurate? Oh, most definitely.
9: Mm. Yes. And in a year or so, preferably my second book will be on the market. So Mm. I'm excited. I'm
0: excited. You should be. I know a lot of readers will be inspired by this book, and I encourage everyone out there to check this one out. It's called A Revelation of Leadership, Pulling Back the Curtain on Leadership, An Exposition of Revelation, Chapter 4. This is written by Timothy L. Sims, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this one everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Timothy, it was great speaking with you here today. Thank you again for joining me. I hope we get to do this again sometime.
9: That's Mitchell, Corey. God bless you.
0: Survival Handbook for Rookies, Rookie Cops. This is the new book. It hit stores just recently. It's written by Tyrone Cottingham, and Tyrone is right here with me now to talk all about it. Tyrone, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thanks for joining me. You bet. Thank you very much, Corey, for this opportunity. Well, it's my pleasure to have you here. It's really exciting. The Survival Handbook for Rookies is out. Can you tell me about it?
10: Yes, sir. It's a a survival handbook that I wrote to help rookies survive on the street.
0: And what inspired you to write this?
10: Well, what inspired me to write it was is back in 2016, 2017, every time you turn on the news, there are stories of rookie police officers are being killed in the line of duty every single day. It hurt me to the core. And one night I was sitting in my bed and I just cried out to the Lord. And I just asked, I said, Lord, what can I do to help my brothers and sisters? I mean, they're being killed in large numbers. I felt them tell me in a still small voice that give them your knowledge,
0: give them your years of experience. So I wrote this book. Obviously, this is aimed for cops in their first year of service. Is this also something that others could use as well?
2: Well,
10: absolutely. I mean, it'll be good for seasoned veterans. It'll help them to remind themselves not to be complacent, because complacency in this job will get you killed. And it would also be good for people that are thinking about going into law enforcement to give them a heads up on what to expect with the job.
0: Mm. Tyrone, how long of an endeavor has this been for you, both writing it and then putting it through the publishing process?
10: It was about a year in the process in the writing, and then it took about another eight months to get it set up and and into book form to where it is right now.
0: And Tyrone, think about that moment that you got that first hard copy in of your book, and you got to hold it in your hands and look at it for the very first time. What was that moment like? That was an amazing moment.
10: You know, I was very proud of it. I was elated. I had tears of joy that the book that I had written, my stories, my thoughts, was now going to be out there for the world to see.
0: Mm. And do you think we can see more from you in the future, thinking about writing more books?
10: Absolutely, yes. I have another one that's almost finished right now. It's called The War Within, The Struggle
0: Between the Christian and the Cop. So writing and publishing your first book can sure be a learning experience, Tyrone. What advice would you have for people who are in that same spot? They're just getting ready to put their first one out there.
10: The main thing, and I don't mean to sound like a commercial, is just do it. There are a lot of good books out there waiting to be written. Fear, Time, etc. They're keeping them from being published. And also, seek out Christian Faith Publishing. They are a top-notch publishing company, and their staff are the best in the business. I won't go anywhere else with my next book.
0: As you well know, Tyrone, a lot of time and effort goes into writing and publishing a book. So what's the most rewarding aspect of it all for you?
10: To be able to help people. I mean, Mm. it even says in my book, if this book is able to help one person, one person to protect themselves, one person to take that extra second,
0: it will all be worth it. And Tyrone, did you have people in your life who knew you were taking this on, writing this book, going for some publishing, and they could be there to inspire you, maybe encourage and motivate you along the way?
10: Absolutely. The main person that inspired me with this book was my pastor, Pastor Darren Carson. He's the uh, pastor of Enjoy Church in Alt, Illinois. He had a mentor group that he started at our church, and he motivated and encouraged us to do new things, to write books, to start businesses, and to get out of your comfort zone
0: the cover to this book, Tyrone, is quite striking. You know, it's really important. It's the first thing that people see when they see your book. So what kind of thought went into this cover?
6: Well,
10: I'll tell you, there had been a couple. There was two other ones before that. It, they, they just didn't fit what I was looking for. Hmm. And when I went with Christian Faith Publishing, he got it right on the first try. Mm. I mean, it's a picture of a a rookie police officer with his vest on in training. He's got his sweats on and he's ready to go into training. It fit perfectly. And I was like, wow, absolutely amazing. And I said, this is it. This is it right here.
0: I think this is a book that is well needed and a lot of people are going to benefit from it. It's titled Survival Handbook for Rookies, Rookie Cops. This is written by Tyrone Cottingham and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find this one everywhere at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Tyrone, thank you again for joining me here tonight and telling me all about your work. Thank you so much for everything you do. I hope we can talk again soon.
10: Corey, I appreciate everything you do. And, yes, it was very exciting, and I appreciate it so much. Thank you for everything.